0: It wasn't a question of if, it was a question of when for me, because I knew that if I just kept going, if I just kept picking away at it, even if I didn't know exactly what I was doing, even if I didn't have the best stuff going on, like where I'm at right now is light years ahead of where I was even six years ago, because I believe that there's so many people out there that want to do stuff and they say, oh man, I'm going to get back in shape. I'm going to write a book. I'm going to do these things. But you hear them over and over and over again, say they're going to do something. And then you never see the execution.
1: The Happy Healthy Human podcast will help you build your happy, healthy life. Your host, Paul Levitin, is a board-licensed health and wellness coach, nutrition coach, personal trainer, and behavior change specialist with over 10 years of experience helping people create positive life change. Each week, he discusses topics that will help you understand yourself, why you do the things you do, and how to take steps to create the life of your dreams. He talks with experts from therapists to addictions counselors, coaches, trainers, CEOs, financial planners, and more. If you've ever wondered how can you become the best, happiest, healthiest version of yourself, you've come to the right place.
2: All right, my fellow humans, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Paul Levitin, and today my guest is Nate Palmer. Nate helps entrepreneurs and busy parents get into the best shape of their lives using simple training and nutrition frameworks and without tracking calories. Being in amazing shape gives a massive advantage in business, focus, and family time. And that's why Nate is so passionate about helping leaders maximize their impact and legacy using fitness and nutrition as force multipliers for their personal mission. Nate also happens to be a dad, a husband, and the author of the best-selling book, The Million Dollar Body Method. And he's the host of the Low Carb Hustle podcast, which is how I first met Nate when he had me as a guest on his show. Nate and I are super aligned and are basically besties at this point, so I can't wait for you to hear us chop it up for the next half hour or so. All right, fam, here it is. Let's dive in and have fun. All right, Nate, what does it mean to be inevitable?
0: You do what you say you're going to do when you say you're going to do it. Because I believe there's so many people out there that like want to do stuff and they say like, oh man, like I'm gonna yo, get back in shape. I'm gonna write a book, I'm gonna do these things. But you hear them over and over and over again say they're gonna do something and then you never see the execution. And I've never wanted to be that way. I've always wanted to be the person where they say like, hey, I'll be at your house at 9 a.m. And I'm there at 9 a.m. I say, I'm gonna finish a book. And you say, okay, when is, like, when is the book signing gonna take place? I wanna be the person that you can basically count on to fulfill whatever I say is going to happen. And I think that starts internally. You know, it's like saying, like I'm gonna to go to the gym three times this week and then executing on that. Because even if you didn't go to the gym three times, nobody cares except you know you'd said it and then you didn't do it. So I, fl- I really feel like being inevitable is one of the best characteristics you can have leading to more self-confidence, getting more stuff done, just being happier and healthier.
2: Yeah, for sure. I, I totally love that. And that's why that was top of mind from, you know, we talked on your show. And that's one of the, the key things that stood out to me because that's exactly, I talk obviously on here, exactly happy, healthy, and self-confidence is a big one. And, and that, to me, is what loops back into to the confidence thing, right? It's keeping your own word, uh, you know, if, if you know the, the four agreements, Don Miguel Ruiz, or is, uh, you know, be impeccable with your word. So the thing that that always brings up to me, though, is how do we do that, right? And if people have all these, these, these hacks and these tips and these tricks, but, but how, you know, why is something seemingly so simple the hardest thing in the world to
0: us? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And I got three tips that are going to make this really, really easy for you. The first one, you get a lemon, you cut it in half, you take some salt, just kidding. Basically, I think this is tough because most of the time people will end up Trying to do too much, you know, and like you know, you were a personal trainer. I was a personal trainer. People come in all the time. and They go, "I want to get lean. I want to get huge. I'm probably gonna do a marathon, but I also need to work on my splits." You know, I mean, they just bite off. They're like, if you if you break it all down, you're like, we're well, gonna have to work out for 23 times per week, and maybe you can do that one one week, or maybe you can do like 1,200 calories full keto one week, but probably long term, that's not going to serve you. So people just try to do too much. They overestimate what they can do in a month, 2 months, 3 months and they underestimate what they can do in 5 years. So I always think like if you are having a hard time with this, really like executing on these pieces, set those really small goals, okay? Whether it's like I'm going to wake up without snoozing my alarm. I'm going to have a glass of water in the morning. Do like do things that are so simple that they are you can get the win and just kind of start stacking those wins because the more wins you get the more momentum you can create and then suddenly you're doing those bigger tasks you are running the marathons you are taking those longer vacations whatever whatever that looks like those goals that you're setting in your own life
2: yeah i think breaking things down into those small tangible action steps is such a huge piece and it's one of those things that falls into the category of it's so easy to do that it's often overlooked and people often i think overcomplicate things and they think well like that's too easy that's too simple it can't be that easy it, it can't be that simple and because of that they go and dive right into you know the deep end they try to do everything rather than breaking things down into their smaller constituent parts so in your experience you know you, you have a lot of things going on right you're a parent you're a coach you're a podcaster you have you're an entrepreneur how do you manage to do all those things? Like that's a lot, right? So that's that's the opposite of being like just doing the bare minimum. So how do you manage to do all that stuff if the key is to keep everything so simple?
0: Well, I didn't start off doing all these things. You know, I started off with the very small bites of things. And I think honestly, if I go if I look back, one of the defining moments or characteristics Um, let's take it back to like, I was 11 years old. I was at like church group and they had a foosball table there. I didn't know how to play foosball and I'd spin the things, you know, like, like trying to just hit it as hard as I possibly could. And then I, I started playing against other kids who had tables at their house, who were really good at it. And so after a while, I just realized like, wow, I'm getting crushed by these people. So I started to learn how to play a little bit better, you know, not spin it so much. And I just kept going and kept going and kept going until one day this guy who kind of taught me how to play foosball, I ended up beating him in a game. I remember this very distinctly. And I thought to myself, like, wow, it's not necessarily even about being good at something or being smart or whatever. It's just about doing it long enough to eventually get to that point. So I felt like I've taken that lesson from 11, 12-year-old foosball experience, and then I was able to apply that to... Like strength training, a weight training, and I thought, like, hey, I want, like, my goal is this. I want my body to look like this, feel like this, and it took me forever. It took me way longer than it takes most people, and but I just didn't quit. I kept going and I kept going, and then from there, when it was time to like have an online business and start be on my own and be completely like self-sufficient as an entrepreneur, it wasn't a question of if. It was a question of when for me, because I knew that like if I just kept going, if I just kept like picking away at it, even if I didn't know exactly what I was doing, even if I didn't have the best stuff going on, like where I am right now is light years ahead of where I was even six years ago when my business kind of went entirely online. But it's just so many little tiny iterations and changes. But if you look at the like the one common thread throughout all of it is consistency. And it's just like just keeping doing the, as like the, the thing, even if you're not good at it, you're not, not sure about it, even if it doesn't feel like it's working. That taking those small steps, one of the, the lessons I try to always impart to my clients is you can't lose if you don't quit. So like where I'm at right now, like some people are going to look at me and be like, Hey, he's like, he's not where, you know, we are. And some people are going to look at me and be like, Oh man, I wish I was where he is. But in the, in the reality, I'm just in my journey, the same as everyone else. And i just, you can't look at my, like someone else's progress and say this, like they're doing better than me or worse than me. We're just at different time frames
2: yeah i mean you know talking to you is like talking to myself and this is why you know these (laughs) conversations are so fun for me because literally i my most recent course that i put out is called quit quitting and that's the whole concept is that if you just don't quit on yourself don't quit whatever you're doing eventually you will find success and i i mean i know that to be truth right that that's consistency is the name of the game consistency is key we hear these things thrown around all the time But the the, the thing that I always bump up against, and this is the struggle, is like there's no magic pill for consistency, right? There's There's no answer for consistency, and that's the struggle. So my question for you is then, when you're on that journey, right, you're you're playing the long game, the five-year, the 10-year game, but you still have those low points, those dark points, those those times where you, you second-guess yourself, is this really worth it? Was I supposed to do this? What do you use to pull yourself out of that or to make sure that you keep going? Like, what, what are, have been some of the tactics that have helped you in those times where everything isn't looking like it hopefully would?
0: Yeah, I think there's a couple things that have helped me out personally because, you know, on that entrepreneurial roller coaster, like one day I'm like, oh man, I'm killing it. Top of the world. And the next day I'm like, I suck. Everyone hates me. This is the worst. I'm never going to be successful. So like you have your fair share of both. So one of the things I, I'm an external processor. So I'm, I really love talking through stuff and like sharing. So my wife is really like, like critical of my success in a lot of ways because I'll process through things with her. She's very wise and she'll help me. Use some discernment to figure out, like, what's serving me, what's not. What can I? What should I keep going? What should I stop doing? In that same way, I've also hired coaches in the past who are like people who I respected, people who I thought were wise, people who I thought had done the thing that I was looking to do before, and just to get some outside perspective on what you're doing. Because you know, we get so tied up in here. There's this game. I don't know if you ever play this or not. My my friends are very silly. We did play a lot of a lot of weird games. Um, but it's where like Paul, you and I will look at each other and we'll go three. Two, one, and we'll try to say the same word. Okay? <laughs> and so let's say you say like shoe and I say like milk. And then, so we go, okay, now we like, now we try to go with like the, what's the average of those two words? Right? And so you're like, okay, well, let's so go three, two, one, and you say leather and I say cow or something like that. And we go back and forth for a while on this and we can't, like, sometimes we just get so close where these words are just like almost lining up, but we can't quite get them together. And I feel like that's how I get sometimes in my business. We're like, I'm so close, but I'm just so, I'm too tight to the issue that you need someone to give you that, that step back, that outside perspective and be like, hey, this is what's working, this what's not. Hey, or or sometimes it's just tough love, like you just need to keep going. You're just in a bad, spa- bad space right now. Give yourself the, the, the room to be okay with being in a bad space, but you need to keep going. What you're doing is gonna work. And so I think having someone on the outside to look into your-ness and give you feedback always like been critical to my success and I've, I've been really blessed to have a lot of like good people around me in my life
2: yeah it's one I think that game is very interesting actually the way you just explained it first I was like what the hell just say the same word but the way you explained it, it actually seems pretty cool as like a like a team building thing or, or even like a, a a communication exercise so it's that's actually pretty interesting to me but you know what you're saying. I, I say the same thing all the time. One of my favorite sayings that anyone who listens to this show a lot will have heard me say about a thousand times is, "You can't read the label from inside the jar, right? When you're too close to it, it's it's hard to see, and you need that that zoom out, right? You miss the forest for the trees, whatever you want to say, and I always." talk about this if I've done entire episodes on the power of coaching and and why why it's such a a powerful tool and I I always have to kind of caveat and, and, and really explain to people like this is not because I'm a coach I became a coach because of this because I studied successful people that's how I got to where I am today. I read a lot of books. I listened to a lot of podcasts. I watched a lot of Tony Robbins, a lot of this, a lot of that. And I made it my job to study what is the common thread that all of these successful people have in common. And when you listen to these podcasts, whether it's Tim Ferriss or whether it's Jay Shetty or whoever these guys are who have the, who have the, the high, high earners, the, the millionaires, the billionaires, the CEOs, and they talk to them about what helped you got here every single one has a coach every single one has a team around them of people outside of themselves and we have that on one side and on the other side we have this very I think westernized very American uh, philosophy of like pull yourself up by your bootstraps you got to do it you know every man for himself got to do it all on my own and I think it's just it's, it's so misleading to people because like yeah, can you do some things on your own? Probably, but are you making it harder for yourself 100% of the time? So I think it's cool to just for, for you to come on here and say like you know, and it's a coach. It's, it, can, it doesn't have to be a coach. It can be your wife, like you said. It can it can be friends. It can be a team of a team of just people. Like you're, you know, I have I have friends who are in the same world as me who I like to bounce ideas off of. But the more we can get outside of our own heads and get that outside perspective. I think is, you know, extremely important. So, you know, I'm curious if you have any specific uh, examples of times when, you know, you, you were really thinking things were one way and then either your wife or a friend or a coworker or a coach helped you see something from a different perspective or it was like, okay, maybe things aren't as bad as I, I thought it was.
0: Yeah, I, I was going to go the opposite direction and say, yeah, they're they're much worse than you thought they were. But um, that's, that's, I like 100% agree about the coaching thing because... I just want to reach out to me the other day because I, I have a coach that does my training right It's my programs and I'm a fitness coach like first and foremost I write people's programs and so they were like isn't that like a little bit weird that you have a coach And I was like absolutely not like if I want to do something at a high level I'm always going to ask for ask like the foremost expert in their field because if I look at what he does for me and how he coaches me like, and then I bring that back into my business. Like how is that not just like the greatest thing in the world? So I love coaching. It's like my favorite thing to spend money on. So one time I had, I had this business that was called Bod in a Box. And basically what it was, this is like, I, th- I thought I was gonna be Peloton. I thought this was gonna be like the next big thing, but I figured out how to take a, like a TRX suspension trainer, two resistance bands, two sliders, put them into a little backpack. And then I wrote up a bunch of workouts filmed like 350 videos, put them all into PDFs, shipping these things out and stuff, and I was trying to get a some monthly subscription going with people doing my home-based workouts, home on the road sort of thing. Um, and I spent hours, like, you know, thousands and thousands of hours like building this product, creating these videos, elaborate email sequences to deliver workouts and stuff. Just try to like like try to build a system that was going to, you know, have some long-term passive revenue. And I like, I, you know, I got it. I'd sell like, you know, one or two a week, you know, but so it was, it was okay. But then I hired a coach and I was like, what am I missing? You need to help me with my bot in a box business. And he was like, how much money have you made from that? And I was like, well, from the first round I made $20,000 and he's like, well, how long did that take you? I was like six months (laughs) and he's like, all right. And so he's like, well, like you want to make all like this, this amount of money. You are like, you're focused in on bot in a box. You think that's the solution. He's like, people are not buying bot in a box. People are buying coaching. People are buying results. You need to have a system in place where you can charge more money and help people get better results because they're not getting results from bot in a box. One time someone's like, hey, I can't figure out how to use my, my equipment. And I was like, that's fine. Let me go above and beyond. I'm going to go to your house and figure it out. I'll show you what to do. So I get out of the house and everything is still in the plastic wrap. And I was like, oh, I figured the problem out. It's not opened. That was the issue you probably having. So like it, like, it wasn't like giving people the results they were they were looking for. But I was, you know, when you ha- only have a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? So I was like, bottom-the-box is the solution. And my coach was like, no, 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 take that step back. You're looking at this wrong. You you think it's this, but your answer, because your, your, uh, your goal is not bottom-the-box. Your goal is time freedom, location freedom. And that's going to be over here. So like, I... Like in one week, I scrapped that entire business and completely changed, like, changed directions.
2: Yeah, that's, that's a really cool example because it also shows there's a lot of ego involved with this, right? That that has to be a hard thing <laughs> to take something that you worked so hard on and something that you were so invested in and then really really admit that like hey hmm, I guess that this kind of isn't going anywhere and this isn't what the people want right the market has spoken clearly and this isn't as good as I think that this is this isn't what is going to take me to that next level so what was that like kind of taking something that you had just worked 60 I mean 6 months six, 60,000 hours or whatever it is and kind of going like alright well fuck it I guess
0: it was it was a definitely a shot to the ego and like at first like you know, I kind of went through the five stages of grief, where I was like, "No, he's wrong," and then I was like, "Well, all the facts don't lie, the numbers don't lie," and then eventually, like, I, like, I. The reason I hired a coach was so that I could get out of my own way. So I was like, "All right, I hired you. Like, I'm a, I'm a great coaching client." So I was like, "You told me you said this. I'm done with it. What's my next step?" And I feel like that's that's always been my go-to or, or one of my superpowers is people can like I can take advice and and execute on it. So. I did go through like some like a little bit of denial, a little bit of sadness over it, but then it was great to again have a plan, have clarity, and feel like I knew what the roadmap looked like moving forward. So it ended up being a great experience, and I wouldn't be here today without having had both of those things in my in my past.
2: Yeah, of course, and uh, it's cool that you mentioned like you know the kind of the five stages of grief, and that there's like denial at first, like no, no, you don't understand, and all this, and. We see the same thing, right, when people commit to diets or when people commit to a workout plan or something like that. It's like, no, 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 this is the thing. Like, I, I read online that this is, the, this is the next best thing. And that's why I, I enjoy these type of conversations because, again, what I like to see is that what's that common thread, right? What, what is that What is that thing of, oh, sometimes we overcommit to a thing that isn't getting us the result and we, have, we spend too long – on a on the drop off when if we would have just said like well you know what Th- this isn't it and we would have just moved on to the next thing which is at odds to what I was just saying about oh well consistency is key and you know you have to quit quitting on yourself so how do we figure out that juxtaposition of when is it no 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 You, ha- I just haven't given it enough time and I need to grit down and bear through it because consistency heals all wounds and when is it like no this is a dead end and i need to i need to give up and move on to the next thing
0: i think a lot of that comes down to knowing knowing your numbers knowing the facts and this is again not a strength of mine my wife is hyper organized she has systems for every little thing she's amazing she like she asked for a label maker for christmas one time just to put the labels on shit batteries like extra soap, shit I would never even have in my house. I'd be like, like my daughter would be like, we got a soap. I'm like, I don't know, I'll get some next week. Just deal with it, use hand soap. But uh, but like, for for me, a lot of it came down to like, do you know, like, what's your trajectory? What's your goal, right, okay? So let's say your goal is to make a certain amount of money. Well, how much do you have to make per month to make that in a year? Okay, well, how much do you have to make per week to make that in a, in a month? Well, how much do you have to get, like how many clients is that? Well, how many calls do you have to get on to get a client? Well, how many calls do you have to make to get a, like a sales call? And so just breaking these things down into their smallest iterations. Like I work in an office, like there's a bunch of real estate, real estate agents right next door to me right here. And some of these guys are making 150, 200 calls per day. And I was asking them about it. And I was like, what's like, what's the, the thought behind that? Are these cold calls? Like, are people talking to you? And he's like, well, generally speaking, it takes me about 25 conversations. To get one sale, and in order to get uh, uh, one conversation, I have to call about seventy-five to hundred people. So he's like, now if I take that, if I take those numbers, and I realize that I need to make ten sales per year, and you extrapolate that all that, I need to be making seventy-five calls per day to hit those numbers. So I think that if you know if you know some of the breakdowns, and you can start start with the end in mind, and then pull it all the way back. And then go, I'm going to execute on these daily little behaviors. And then give it a certain amount of time to the point where like, okay, you give it at least three months, at least six months to see if these things are working because a lot of it's like the compounding effect. And then you can kind of decide. Again, having an advisor, a trusted advisor, a coach, somebody in your corner who can be like, look at it a little bit more objectively. By the way, you can't see the label from inside the jar. That, I love that. And it's so much clearer than me trying to explain that silly game. So, um, yeah, but I think that. Like knowing, knowing what your objective is, breaking it down into small pieces, executing for a while, and then getting feedback. I think that's the that's the key to success.
2: Yeah, and I, like I said, I think that game was good, but I think that the, the knowing your metrics is such a key is such a key thing here. And understand, again, for anyone listening, the reason, again, I love this stuff, because this is not just about business. This might sound like a conversation about business right now, but this is the same thing if you wanna lose weight. This is the same thing if you wanna eat healthy and, and have healthier blood markers. This is the same thing if you wanna to go to the gym more. This is the same thing if you wanna be a good parent. This is the same thing no matter what you're trying to do to improve your life. Is it tangible? Is it trackable? Right? That, that's a big key. A lot of times my clients will come to me and they're like, Oh, well, I want to be healthy. I want to be happy. It's like, okay, like uh, those are great goals, but they don't really mean anything. So can we make them into a way that's tangible and trackable? But to, to what you were saying about the, the quitting and you said, you know, give it three or six months. I think that that's a really good thing, too, because something that I like to discern between is in reality, again, if I'm being honest with myself, why do I want to quit? Is it simply because it's hard? Or is it because I'm not actually getting the result? Have I given it a fair shake and seen that, you know, it's just not working out? If that's the case, then then it's fine. Then you can quit because, because to not quit, I talk about this a lot in my course about quit quitting. To not quit when you're beating a dead horse, so to speak, is actually a form of self-sabotage, right? You're not giving yourself the opportunity to move on to a better opportunity. And so you're just wasting your time. You're going to end up self flagellating and just being like, oh my God, what's, woe is me. I can't figure it out. It's not fair. I've been spending all my time doing, you know, doing this diet and not losing any weight or doing this business plan and make it, not making any money. It's like, well, yeah, you probably should have stopped doing that thing after two or three months. But there, you have to have put in enough time to see that you've, again, given it its fair. Share of effort, and not just because at the first sign of turbulence or at that first little speed bump, going like, oh well, the, this is too hard, or oh no, well, the, I, I gave it a try. Right, that's the person who tries a diet for a week or starts a business plan, sends out one email, doesn't get a response, and then they go, well, this isn't working. There, there, there's a there's a happy medium to be found there. But again, what I'm always looking at is that that constant kind of like thread through fitness, through business, through relationships and everything like that. So, you know, consistency is one of them that you mentioned earlier. I'm wondering if there's anything that you've seen being in all of these worlds simultaneously of something that kind of is is that over underlying factor that affects everything, you know, that it's not just about about fitness or about business, but these, these kind of these habits that we see that underlie success in, in every area.
0: Yeah, that's a great question too. And I think that for me, um, I've boiled it down to kind of four key components that I talk about a lot with my clients as, especially as they relate to fitness. And number one, you brought up like the first thing on the, on the, on the podcast is be inevitable, be impeccable with your word. Like let, let your yes be yes and your no be no, you know, if you say you're going to do something, go do it. Right? The other thing is try to try to get 1% better every single day, not just you personally, not just your fitness, not your diet, but like, Leave the people, places, and things around you that you interact with 1% better. If you see someone, try to, like, if you can if you can ramp their day up just a little bit, if you can just put those things out in the universe over and over again, number one, like, you know, that's gonna make you feel good. Like, when you're the person, you go into a bathroom and it's all, like, the countertop's all wet, right? I think that the people that are successful that I really respect in life, they go grab two or three paper towels and they wipe that up even though it's not their mess. They leave it a little bit better than they found it. And that shit just compounds over and over. I think the, uh, another one is people who are not afraid of grinding, people who are not afraid of mastering the mundane, either so like in fitness or nutrition, that's like, did you eat the same thing for breakfast the last three weeks? Good. Good. I want that for you. I don't even to have to think about it. I wear black shirts almost every single day. I have like six of these things. They're awesome. the Built shirts. Just because I, I want to focus my attention and my energy on things that are creative and fun that light me up and dressing myself is not one of those things. And then the last one I think is like is critical that I that I try to you know impart upon clients and like he uses like a paradigm, so that way it's not like me coming down on them. But it's like being like, hey, you like you agree to this this value, like let's stay with it. Is like is a extreme ownership. Like fuck your excuses. Like no, like you can mess up, you can screw up, you can do whatever else, but you have to own those things. Because when you when you're like, oh, I couldn't make it because of traffic. I couldn't do these things because it was so hard. I forgot what day it was. You just give up the locus of control. You give up the power to this, the universe, to something external. And, and even if you're like, yo, the, like, there was a wreck on, the, on the, the freeway and I wasn't able to get there in time. That's my bad. You know why? Because I didn't look at Google Maps ahead of time, you know? And if you take that, you take that accountability, even at like your own cost sometimes, the internal control and the ability to kind of exert your will on, this, on your environment increases so exponentially that you start believing that you can do whatever you want to. You start believing that you can accomplish any goal you set your mind to because you are in control and you do dictate the, the results through your actions. So those are my four those are my four favorite like common threads that I've seen in successful people, fitness business, parenting, etc.
2: 100 percent I have a huge all four of those I mean I could expand on those for an hour each I love extreme ownership I did a whole uh, episode about that a couple a couple months ago um, that I'll link to in the show notes. But, you know, something that you mentioned when you were talking about that, that I think is very interesting is like sometimes when you take extreme ownership, it's to our own detriment, right? Like if you said, like, I got stuck in traffic on the freeway and I could use that as an excuse. Oh, I got stuck in traffic or I could take extreme ownership and go, hmm, I probably should have known that there's always traffic on the freeway. And I probably should have left 30 minutes earlier because that's, you know, that's what someone that's what a a smart person would have done. But to do that, it it kind of it hurts because I'm taking that I'm taking that ownership and being like, wow, it was my fault. But even though it feels like it hurts in that moment, what it really is is freeing because it gives you a, an extreme sense of control, right? You mentioned that locus of control and like it's like now it's like, oh, nothing is outside of my control. like I literally control my life. And to me there's there's nothing better or more freeing than that. So it's like one of this these weird paradoxes of like it feels like it's boxing me in because now it's like I'm taking all this fault and all this blame, but in reality, it's actually, freeing because now it's like, I have actual control over my life. I am the driver. I am not, I'm not the passenger. And you know, that, that, that ownership is a lot easier when you pair it with the, the one you gave before it, which was mastering the mundane, which I think is a really interesting one that I haven't heard before. So I'm just wondering if you could expand on that a little and, and how you think that's a helpful habit.
0: Yeah, I think that a lot of the success principles are based around boring work. Right? And I think that a lot of, we look at like TikTok stars and YouTubers and we want, that, we want that Amazon Prime success. We want that easy button. This person's an overnight success. They totally blew up. But when you look at these other people, like, you see that it took them 22 years to become an overnight success. Like if you, in the book Outliers, Malcolm Gladwell talks about uh, the Beatles and you know, like this mega successful, people think it's the greatest band of all time. But what they don't talk about was that these guys spent four years in a German nightclub playing for eight hours at a time so they were so in tune with each other doing playing the same like cover band songs that were probably so boring for them but that then when they were able to take that practice and put that into their own and use their own originality and write their own music they just had a sound that no one had ever contemplated before because they hadn't been masters of the mundane for so long you know they had put in that that 20,000 hours of of like uh, you know Charlie work if you're a if you're a always sunny in Philadelphia fan. So you know when you, when it comes to the like the like breakfast even like I've eaten the same protein shake for breakfast, maso menos for like, real close to ten years. And it's just boring. It's just proteins and fats. It's nothing special. Sometimes I switch up the protein powders. It's not a big deal. But I like how it makes me feel, I like the nutrients it gives my body, I like the results I get from it. So why change those things? I don't need to have like the newest sexiest thing all, this, all the time. Sometimes just figuring out what are those key components that you can just kind of again just like chip away at just a little bit at a time is going to get you much better results than that one big extreme thing that happens one time and then you can't replicate.
2: I love uh, that you said Charlie work, Uh, that you might be the first uh, It's Always Sunny reference in 100 plus episodes on the show. And that's my favorite show of all time. I've seen I've put in my 10,000 hours with It's Always Sunny. I've seen each episode I can pretty much uh, recite from heart. But it's 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 interesting. Again, I'm, I'm always looking at these threads, right? And it's exactly what you just said, the mastering the mundane, right? And like that. That feeling of like doing, making things so simple, as you said in the beginning, that you can't mess it up, right? Having the same breakfast over and over, having the same T-shirt, so you don't have to think about stuff. And again, just like I was saying about extreme ownership, right? It can feel like that's boxing you in. It's like, what do you mean? I I don't get to choose my breakfast. I don't have to have get to have a different breakfast every day. I don't get to. I want to express myself through through T-shirts or whatever. And it's like that's that you're looking at it the wrong way, because it's not about that. You're not able to do these things. You can do whatever you want. If you want to have a different breakfast every day, you can. But the point is you only have so much mental energy in a given day and where do you want to be spending it if you're a person you know my my girlfriend is she loves to cook and she would like she would probably die if she had to eat the same thing every day like she would like she wants to be able to cook and explore her taste and find different ingredients and stuff like that that matters to her to me, or I can guess t- to you, Nate. That doesn't matter as much. Like I'm quite happy just eating what what I need to, what I need to survive, and what's going to fuel my muscles, and what's going to make me feel good, and what I don't uh, like, what I enjoy the taste of a bit. But that's not the the biggest thing for me. So w- for anyone listening, it's not to say that again that you have to do anything one certain way. The point is that there are places in your life where you can find and simplify down and be okay with just doing the. I don't want to say the bare minimum, but but not putting in so much extra effort or so much extra energy so that that frees up more time, more energy, more effort that you can then put in to, as Nate said, the artistic endeavors, the creative endeavors, because that's the stuff that lights him up. He's a creator, right? So it's not about, oh, it's not about if you're looking at it like, oh, my God, you eat the same breakfast every day for 10 years. That's wild. You're not zoomed out enough you're looking at that one thing. If you look at it, oh, he eats the same breakfast every day for the last 10 years, so that he has more time and energy to put into the things he cares about, which is being a dad, which is being a creator. Now it becomes much more of a fair trade off where I'm like, oh, well that, that actually kind of does sound like a, a, a good deal. So I, I think it's really cool that you brought that up and like you've been able, You know, I asked you earlier about how do you manage to juggle all of these things, being a dad, being an entrepreneur, being into fitness and stuff like that. and. In what, from what I'm hearing, it's stuff like that that allows you to then wear all these hats and find all these success in different areas when other people would go, well, I don't have time for that or, well, that, that's just impossible.
0: Yeah, I, I 100% agree. It just, it's about play prioritizing. And I love what you said about mental energy. And I don't think people understand that's a currency just like anything else. Like you, if you spend all your time deciding between the two types of Pop-Tarts in the morning, when it comes time to like the end of the day, it's it's so hard to get those things done that you need to do. Like sitting down to write an email or write a sales page or film a video, those things come a lot more naturally because I spent zero mental energy this morning deciding anything. My day's scripted. I know exactly what I'm going to do like for the first two hours when I wake up, so it's no big deal. Uh, there's a quote I really like from a guy named Gustave Flaubert. He says, "Be boring and orderly in your life, so that you may be violent and original in your work." And I that like I love that so much because I feel like that's what I like. That's what I aspire to be. It's like original, fun. I want to br- build something that's like that's cool, that matters, that lights me up, and that does not involve uh, colored T-shirts for me.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally. I love that quote. That's a, that's a really cool one. I, I've I've kind of phrased it as just like structure is freeing, right? People, I think, look at structure as something like, oh my God, I don't want to be boxed in, I don't want to be told what to do, but the whole point of that structure in a good way, same thing with time blocking, right? Or, or scheduling, putting everything into your plan, or people like, oh my God, I want to be able to do whatever, but it's like, this stuff is what allows you to do that. These entrepreneurs who you see taking pictures on the beach or flying around or doing whatever, living the lifestyle that you see, even even fitness, right? Again, we can, we can get super granular with this with fitness. When you see these big jack guys, The Rock, eating a 10,000-calorie cheat meal. Well, the reason he's allowed to do that is because of the structure that he lives with throughout in the rest of his life that's not an everyday thing that's like i can be i'm going to be structured all all week i don't really like cheat meals that we can that's a conversation for another day but the point is that the structure that he lives with most of the time allows him for the flexibility to do what he wants to do some of the time and it's just a again it's just a, a a flip of the mindset of how do you look at things do i look at everything as like boxing me in or do i look at these things as a Step stool to raise me up to get to that next level and get to that one percent better and that's something that you you mentioned earlier was that one percent better and i'm wondering you know when you say one percent better what does that mean and and how is one percent something that isn't that like a rounding error you know why would that even be something that's worth working towards
0: yeah great question i'm glad you i'm glad you asked because I think that again, going back to what we talked about of people take trying to bite off too much to start, people want to get hundred percent better overnight and that's just not feasible. And even if it is, it's not sustainable. You know, so I feel like I've heard a quote recently that says, if you can't, if you don't see yourself doing it for 10 years, don't do it for 10 days. So I think that 1% better is just like the, is like the, a very like Zen way of pursuing progress over perfection. And it, uh, and it allows grace for those mishaps and those misfires and things that go up. So, like, I post a lot of videos. I posted a video last week, Paul, that was so fucking stupid, man. It was just the dumbest thing. I almost took it down. I, I smoked a little weed that night, and I was getting real, real like, anxious about, like, I should take this down. This is so stupid. What was I thinking? But then I was like, you know what? It's up. It's good. Next one's going to be a little bit better. Next one's going to be a little bit better. Same with my podcast. You know, like, I like I'm I've had a hard time with intros in the past where I'll be like, hey, everybody, it's... Paul Levitt, he's got a lot of mu- he's got a lot of muscles and he's here to t- talk about t- talk about it so like i just like screw, screw up these intros but it allows me to like like it allows me the grace to be like okay that wasn't your best work how do we get a little bit better at that so it's just like not it's not in business it's not in like parenting it's not in anything specific it's just kind of a uh, all encompassing area of your life because even when I go to the gym, I'm trying to make my reps just like a tiny bit better. How do I pause just a little bit more? How do I slow that down? Where am I feeling that squeeze? How can I make this rep just a little bit more dialed in for me? And I think that, you know, if you just take 1% better over time, you do. if you get 1% better every single day, at the end of the year, you're 36% better. I don't know if that's the right math or not. Like 300% better? Something? I don't know. Math is hard. I'll get 1% better at math tomorrow, guys. Promise. But it's just like these incremental progress, it's it, like that adds up and it's, and I think we want the big results, but big results if we just give ourselves the time and then small improvements, they happen on their own.
2: Right, and you know, again, all of this stuff circles back to what we've been alluding to this entire time, right? It's like slow and steady wins the race. And you know, this is something I said kind of earlier when you were talking about this was like, it seems so simple that people don't want to believe it. Like people are just like, it's so easy. Like, wow, that can't be the answer. It can't be that simple. And one of the things that you do on your social media that I really love is you do the the little quiz show, right? Where you'll where you'll you'll uh, talk to people and, and quiz like ask them questions about about health or fitness and, and nutrition and stuff like that. And so I'm wondering, you know, is there anything you've you've talked to all these people? You've talked to people on your podcast, but you also literally just quiz random people in the street. Is there anything that you see or like any any like weird things or misconceptions or just? things that have surprised you about like how little or how much people know or really understand about fitness and nutrition and health that you've learned from from doing these little uh, uh, impromptu quiz shows.
0: Yeah, I think that like as a, as a fitness trainer and a, a nutritionist and being kind of in this world, I get so focused on like the Minutia of like, oh well, if you're having MCT, oh, well, you gotta make sure you're have, like cycling that with this, and you're like, got some carb cycling, and then make sure you're putting all your at the end of the day, and then we're gonna avoid those any sort thir- any sort of thing, or just get the glute, you know, like, and so I just get way too in depth on these things. And the other day, I asked someone, how many muscles are there in the like, how many muscle heads are there in the bicep? And he was like four. I was like, uh-uh. Nah. I was like, try again. He's like three. I was like, how many wheels there are there on a bicycle? It's like, so like, just like people's knowledge about fitness and stuff is so it's, it's crazy because th- it's so lacking in a lot of areas, but in some ways we've got like, we have all this information at our fingertips. So people are just drowning in information with no context. They're like, well, I heard the keto diet's the best diet. And I'm like, yeah, it can be if you fit these four categories and you want to do these sorts of things and you have this ability, then it'd be an amazing diet. But for you, that's not what you want to do. And they're like, well, my, my my aunt Susan, she lost 22 pounds. So I'm gonna do the keto diet. You're like, all right, man, just whatever. So I think it's like, on one hand, people don't necessarily have the context for all the information that they're being spoon fed through social media, through YouTube, through all these websites all the time. So it's hard to cut through some of the noise, uh, especially when there's a lot of, a lot of people talking a lot of like, they're getting information, from a lot of different sources. I don't know if that answers the question.
2: Yeah, for sure. It's it's a double edged sword, right? Of uh, We have more information for sure. I, I don't think it would be a stretch to say that people are more educated around health and fitness today than they were 20 years ago, simply by the fact that social media exists, YouTube exists. Most people are following some sort of fitness accounts. Most people understand what a diet is or that strength training is on the whole good for most people whereas you know in the 90s or early 2000s that probably wasn't the case and yet we have on the other side of that exactly like you just said we have all this massive information that there's too much to possibly even sort through even when you know about this stuff it's overwhelming so then it's like the average person just follows the guy with the best abs or the girl with the nicest butt and just assumes that that means something when when we know as professionals that it, it really doesn't so i think that it's cool to you know, always have that humbling experience a little bit of, you know, I've gotten into that place too. And that's why I don't talk about the nitty gritty of of fitness and nutrition on here nearly as much because I think it's so easy to get washed away in the the details that we can get to as professionals. And that's great for the seminars. And that's great for the the weekend retreats that I go on. But when I'm talking to regular people, which I think most people are regular people, and most people just need a little bit of help to be 1% better, I don't think we need to really know that exactly how many heads of a bicep there are I mean that you probably should because it's it's two uh, but you know that it's more so about knowing why is it important to work your bicep is is more of an important thing and those those generalities that kind of no matter what your goals are you know where we're at I think are, are important and you know it's it's the basics we always come back to those those very simple basics and something you posted about recently uh reminded me about that you were talking about your aura ring and uh, for those people who don't know, an aura ring is like a, a ring that goes on your finger and, and kind of tracks your, your sleep. So I was just curious about that because I don't, I don't have one. I was curious about any cool insights you've gleaned from, from this type of stuff, from the, the, you know, the technology that's coming into health and fitness from your aura ring or any other wearables. Is that, is that something that you think is important? And have you learned anything about yourself or in general that you think that this stuff is, is actually useful?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love this thing. I think it's so dope. The aura, So like my kind of breakdown on wearable tech, I've worn the Whoop band for a little bit and I wore the Aura ring. Whoop band I thought was great for tracking, they call it strain, so like activity levels on a daily basis. Um, I, and I don't think the, the Aura does quite as good of a job as tracking activity, um, but it does have a step counter, which I like. The, the Aura does a great job at tracking sleep. They just recently introduced a thing where they can monitor O2 saturation, oxygen saturation in your blood while you sleep, which is great. So it's given me a lot of insight into like, I kind of I can track like what do I do during the day, and then how do I sleep at night? Because uh, so right now I'm on like a I'm on a caffeine detox so I was drinking so much caffeine and I was noticing my my sleep slipping and slipping and slipping and slipping, and it wasn't like I was going to bed later. I was always going to bed like 10:30, waking up around six, um, but I was getting really light sleep until like two in the morning. So um, now I, now I'm seeing a lot more deep sleep early on in the night and that seems to be I'm waking up a little bit more refreshed at the moment so like even even though I'm not having caffeine I still feel like I've got a plenty of energy I'm feeling really good but I wouldn't have necessarily known that without having this tracked the other interesting thing is that I met A can monitor the respiratory rate and a, like a temperature as well and so I can tell if I'm gonna be getting a little sick If I'm gonna get sick in two days I can tell right away so I'll start, I'll start like a, you know, getting more vitamin C, more recovery, to taking it easy on the weight training. That sort of thing, just to put myself in a bit more like rest and recovery mode. If I notice like, okay, it's like something's gonna happen. So like I I, uh, I knew I had COVID two days before the test even showed me. And and then I had COVID for like two days because I feel like I was just like, I didn't do anything. I wasn't trying to push myself. I just was like 100% focused on how do I recover as best as possible. And then um, yeah, I kind of moved on. So i've loved i've loved this i kind of sometimes get obsessed with it and then sometimes like i'll wake up and i'm like i'm feeling good and my R-ring's like you slept like shit and i'm like oh i feel bad now so sometimes that backfires on me but uh for the most part i love it
2: yeah that's super interesting i, I think that sleep uh, that's re- the reason i asked because i think that sleep is just a oft, often overlooked piece of the entire puzzle of general health and wellness that uh, a lot of people just don't even consider, especially when it comes to just feeling good, but also when it comes to weight loss, also when it comes to muscle building. Right? We we there's plenty of studies out there that show that you know people who lose weight and they don't get enough sleep, they lose more muscle. People who lose weight and they get more sleep they actually lose more per, more percentage of fat meaning you could lose the same amount of weight but one person sleeping 8 hours a night one person sleeping 5 hours a night the proportion of what you lose is going to be different and there's a million other reasons why sleep is super important so i just thought that was that was interesting it's something i obviously hear a lot about uh but never really dove into myself so uh, i maybe maybe i'll check it out i'm i'm, I'm not i'm like anti tech in that way so like maybe I'll, I'll see um but the the last question that i wanted to ask that i ask every guest on the show is just if you could leave listeners with one action step that they could take right now, as soon as this episode ends, as soon as they take their headphones out, to start living a happier, healthier life. What would that be?
0: Ooh, that's a good question. So I feel like I kind of instantly flashed to like a couple like tactical things. Whether it's like do a do a fast, drink some water. Um, but I feel like like right now, um, I was learning some stuff from this guy named Gary Brecka. He's got this company called 10x Health Systems and he was postulating that like all sickness and like death is all caused by the same thing which is a lack of oxygen He's like disease cannot thrive in the presence of oxygen so if you are listening to this right now one thing I think that would make your you a happier healthier human would just be take three deep breaths right now take three deep breaths into the nose out of the mouth try to inflate through the diaphragm get your chest and your belly to expand and see how you see much better you feel because so many so many times like even through this podcast i don't think i've taken a deep breath i'm just been shallow breathing the entire time and sometimes you just need that reminder and so i think yeah breathing breathing right kicks ass you should do it more often
2: love that and i i always note that you know uh, i've done 50 plus interviews on this podcast and i ask that question to every single person and without by a wide wide margin breathing deep breath breath work is the number one recommendation that every person has ever given whether it's fitness coaches therapists addiction counselors or or anything else people say breath work it it can't again just like i was saying sleep before breath work uh really or just breathing in general using your breath can't be overlooked so uh nate thank you so much for being here I, i really do appreciate it uh, just, I'm going to have all your links to the show notes, to your podcast. I was on Nate's podcast, so if anyone wants to hear us chat more, you could go find it there. I'll link to that as well. But where can people find you if they want to connect with you? Where's the best place to uh, to find you? And I I think you told me you had something like a freebie to, to give to the audience as well, if you want to tell them about that.
0: Yeah, so uh, if you want to grab, I have a five-day meal plan. I know we didn't really talk about like nutrition a whole lot, but if you want to just kind of like a a meal plan with a grocery list. I thought that was something that was helpful to my clients. So I just put it out there. You go to nate.fit to grab that. Check out the Low Carb Hustle Podcast. And then check out, uh, check out the, uh, especially episode 85. That's where the one you're on, Paul. So episode 85 of the Low Carb Hustle Podcast. is incredible. You got to check it out. Paul, you were like one of my favorite guests. And then find me on Instagram at Low Carb Hustle as well because I put out a lot of dumb stuff. And then like every so often, it's funny. So you don't want to miss that one, that once in a month, post that's actually hilarious
2: right you put a little scarcity in there i like that all right nate thank you so much for being here have a great day
1: that's all for this week be sure to subscribe and follow the show so you don't miss a beat and we'll be back next wednesday with a brand new episode support the show by sending this episode to a friend or leaving a rating and review on itunes spotify or wherever you're listening until next week Stay happy, stay healthy.